Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Without ambition, one starts nothing. Without work, one finishes nothing. The prize will not be sent to you. You have to win it. Welcome to Storytelling Work, the 224th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwalt's Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Mate, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and what number of episode are we on? 244. Holy shit. Yee. Yeah. So, for housekeeping, mm-hmm. it is the first episode of September. Yes, it is. Welcome, September. Welcome, September. Please bring cooler weather please with you. Please bring for, please bring down the temperatures. Yes. All right. Because it is the first recording of the month, I have to read the names of all the patrons. Well, you don't have to, but well, it is... Well, I do have... We did promise. It is the preferred <laughs> thing to do we, at yes. the beginning of the month. Because we've, we've made a pledge to do that. Yes, we have. <laughs> okay. So, but you don't so I do. necessarily have I mean, I to. guess I'm not being forced at gunpoint, but... No, no you, you don't. <laughs> but you I, do, I do have an obligation. Yes. If you want to keep faith with our listeners, then yes, yes. you do. Yeah, I am, yes. I'm contractually <laughs> obligated, says Elle. Like the Fae, <laughs> I have been roped in by words and contracts. All right. <laughs> so There you go. There are 34 kittens. Thank you, kittens. We love you, kittens. There are 22 cats. And their names are Stephanie Danielson, Annalise Scharfenberger, Jeremy Glazenhart, Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Renee N., Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Shakora, Rebecca Hillman, Quinn Ann ASMR, and Cindy Barrick. We love you, cats. Thank you, cats. There are 52 hunters, and their names are Heather Doyle, Ames of Ashland, Kawasu Tanku, Amara Sapphirewolf, Dwyer, Kellen Tasber, Sarah Goff, Leanne Gee, Scout, Lisa N., Annie Ray, Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexaluna, Mary Rose, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Don Taylor, Maharat, Talia Franks, Knight Ryan, Druidic Heart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rhiannon M. Gray, La Petite Poison, Loriana Lee Knapp, Maddie Kunes, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Rochella and Dasfeed, David Dashifen Keys, Zamino Kokoro, Chris Calibri, Sky Bierce, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Finn, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Dahlia Darge, Jessica Jones, and Charles Howison. We love you, Hunters. Thank you, Hunters. There are seven tigers, and their names are Yuki Quinn, M.B. Strang, Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, Tigers. Thank you, Tigers. There are eight leopards, and their names are Michaela Bellapersh, Jody Cozy, Luna, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. Thank you, leopards. We have one panther, and their name is Laurel Jade. We love you, our panther. Thank you, panther. And we have three jaguars. And their names are Silver Wolf Arrow, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. And we love our Jaguars. 
And that is all of our patrons. Thank you, patrons. We love each and every one of you. And of course, we love all of our listeners. And we're just glad you're sticking with us. Mm -hmm. Through 244 episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm Rhiannon say doesn't have to, gets to. Praise us of the pride. <laughs> That's right. All hail All the pride. All hail the pride. <laughs> raise your glass. Yes, and raise. give a toast to the pride. <laughs> uh, let's see. Any other housekeeping we need to do? Well, we do want to remind people that if you are interested in going to Convocation, mm-hmm. it is going to be February 22nd through the 24th of February. To start saving up your pennies now. That's right. And if you want more information, you can go to convocation.org and it talks about the new venue where it's going to be held. Yes. Different hotel this time. Different hotel. It's Ann Arbor Marriott Ypsilanti at Eagle Crest Hotel. So do not go to the old hotel. No, please do not. And uh, you can find out all the information. I do believe they're accepting uh, pre-registration yeah, now, and so. they are accepting hotel reservations. Excellent. So that is definitely something, if you are interested, if you are mm-hmm. going, that is something you definitely want to do. Yeah, because historically the hotels, at least the previous hotel, mm-hmm. booked up pretty fast. And I don't know what the occupancy is at the new hotel. Right, exactly. So you'll want to check into it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're, I, you don't, you don't have to pay for the reservation ahead of time, but you do have to put in a, uh, payment information in order to hold your reservation. Gotcha. Um, so, but they have a good, um, special right now for the pre-registration for the tickets. I believe it's a hundred dollars for the whole event for an adult. That's not bad. $60, I think for children, but go and double check that. Yep. And then of course, if for some reason you cannot pre-register, uh, and buy your tickets online ahead of time, you can buy them at the door of the day of the event. They just cost more. They that just way. cost more. And then also I wanted to let people know that I am starting to do online tarot readings again. Mm-hmm. Um, you can contact me at Gwyn at threepagansandacat.org if you would like more information or you can go to my Facebook page which is Gwyn of Three Pagans and a Cat and uh, you can book a session there. Yep. Um, I also do those occasionally. Exactly. I was um, going to say the same thing. Yeah, you can find the, the information about the different kinds of readings we do on the services tab on our website. Yep, threepagansandacat.com. Yep. We mentioned this uh, in part because I really mm-hmm. like doing online readings. Same. I do too. It's I've... my preferred way to do it. I really do enjoy it. I, I like to do, whether it's an email reading or um, a a Zoom or a yeah. Facebook call. I pretty much exclusively really do email readings, yeah. and I like them more because I get to like really sit with the cards take time. for like a couple mm-hmm. of hours and like dig into yeah. all the intricacies of them. Yeah, I um, do that as so well. So you, you tend to get a deeper reading, I think, with an with an online, especially an email reading, than you do with a face to face reading. Yeah, it, I think it depends. I I find that um, I get a very meaningful reading either way. Although I do agree that I can um, for an email reading, which is I probably am going to take a couple of more hours yeah. with it um, and do a little bit more fine-tuning mm-hmm. of, of the reading yeah. that I might have opportunity to do in a live chat. But either way, I enjoy doing it. So we offer those just in case you're interested. That's right. Oh, you're going to start writing your Patheos blog again. Oh, yes. I'm going to start writing. In fact, I'm going to start uh, posting again this week. Mm-hmm. My first uh, blog will go up this week. I'm just going to try to do two posts a month just to get back into the flow of writing again so 
help keep Gwen on the post path. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> on the Patheos 3-pack vlog. Send me suggestions if you want something, <laughs> if you have an idea of something I could write about. Mm-hmm. And you can reach out to her again at Gwyn, G-W-Y-N, at 3 That's right. Need more vlogs, please, says Finn. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've been kind of, you know, I've gotten away from a lot of things that I have enjoyed doing in the past this year, but, um, or a year and a half. Yeah. But, uh. Um, start getting, wading yep. back in. Yep, starting to wade back in, doing my things. So, doing more readings, doing my writing. Mm-hmm. Getting and, more active. Uh, getting more active and just starting to actually take back my life, as it were. Coming out of that fallow period. That's right. Yeah. That's it for housekeeping, yeah? Yeah, I All think right. so. All right, so we are housekept and... Housewept. Hooray. Huzzah. So, in honor of Labor Day, mm-hmm. which was this... Today. This, the, day today? Of, of yeah. the, the day of recording. Monday, September 4th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are doing stories about works and labors and crafts That's and right. such. That's right. Because it's been part of human history for the whole time we've had civilization, so that it, it crops up in myths. It does. It does. <laughs> So we're going to tell stories. I have three stories. How many stories do you have? I have two. Okay. So so I'm going to start with the classic one you probably expect from me, um, and which I feel like I've talked about on the podcast before, but I can't find it in a previous storytelling episode, so I'm not sure. I'm, sur- I'm sure somebody will let us know. I'm sure. So I'm going to talk about the making of Mjolnir and various other uh, Norse treasures. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I talked about this because I think I talked about Loki shaving Sif's head yeah, at you, one point. Yeah, Loki always gets mentioned in yeah. the storytelling at some point. <laughs> yeah, so so this this story starts with Loki <laughs> in a mischievous mood, it's described, deciding he's going to shave Sif's hair off. Say that three times fast. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> um, and it's not clear why he does this. No stated, mo- no stated motive is, is ever given. He's feeling, you he, know. He's just feeling it. Feeling snarky. Yeah, so she's asleep and he shaves all her hair off. And she's obviously very upset about this and goes to Thor, her like husband. Like it would be. Yeah, her husband and says, look what that bastard Loki did to me. And Thor says, I'm going to kill that bastard Loki. Like so, he do. Yeah, so he, you know, chases down Loki and uh, threatens to break every bone in his body <laughs> individually, one at a time. And Loki says, okay, I own it. That was, I fucked up, admittedly. Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it would be funnier than it than it ended up being. I'll fix it. I'll get uh, the dwarves to make her some hair, which will be totally way better than the hair she grew herself. <laughs> and Thor's like, all right, fine. If you can make my wife happy again, I will not murder you. So Loki heads down to Svartalheim, which is the home of the dwarves. That's the, the realm that the dwarves come from. And the dwarves are master craftsmen, and in particular, they're master metalsmiths. Mm. So Loki goes to them and says, hey, I need a head of beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? Crafted for a goddess. Uh, and the dwarves are like, okay, mm, we get challenging work in here all the time, sir. Just, <laughs> just get in line. And we'll just fill out this form and we'll figure out what you need. <laughs> so it ends up, uh, th- this job ends up going to the sons of Ivaldi the dwarf. Mm-hmm. Presumably we, they're working under his auspices. Mm-hmm. The the sons of Ivaldi make for Loki uh, a beautiful golden wig 
effectively, um, for Sif. And they also make, because they're feeling crafty. Yeah, they're 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 really just in the vibe, you mm-hmm. know, and they're working for you know, Loki's like a mid-tier god. <laughs> like, he's not an Aesir exactly. But, I mean, you know, he, he goes to Asgard. He's a comparatively important person. Odin hangs out with him. So, like, you want to impress... Thing exactly. On, so you, you know. want to impress him a little bit. Um, so they also make Skithblathnir, which is uh, a magic ship that sails faster than any other ship, always catches the best wind, and that you can fold up small and put in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, and they also make Gungnir, uh, which is the best, sharpest spear in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and those they just make basically as freebies while they're in the middle of making the golden wig. Because they're feeling like it. Exactly. Because I guess the, the hair for a goddess wasn't challenging enough for them. So they wanted to stretch <laughs> their skills a little bit. So they also made these... Uh, these Other things. Uh, yes. These fantastical artifacts. And Loki gets these things, and he's like, oh, this is really good, really quality work. Impressive. I'm going to cause some problems. Of course he is. <laughs> I'm going to cause some problems about this. So there are, he's in, you know, the, the Hall of the Dwarves, where they're all doing their crafty works. And there are two other dwarves here who catch his attention, Broki and Sindri. They're, you know, doing on their crafts, and Loki's very impressed with their work. And so he, so he's gathered these gifts that the other dwarves have already made him mm-hmm. and he he goes up to them and he's like oh look at this the shit if, uh that ivaldi's sons made and this look at look at the quality on all of the i bet you sh- you you two knuckleheads couldn't make anything like this these masterpieces mm-hmm. you couldn't even come close <laughs> mm-hmm. and Brokey and sindri uh obviously are offended and insist no 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 we can absolutely we can outforge the sons of ivaldi any day and loki's like oh, i'll make you a bet then you make me three artifacts equivalent to these in, in value. And if you do, I'll let you have my head. Oh, boy. You can just have it. You can just have my head. Off his head? I, I will, his, yep, my, my, from his shoulders? Uh, well, the bet is if you can make artifacts, three artifacts of equal value to these, you can have my head. Okay. <laughs> and the dwarves are like, bet. <laughs> <laughs> so they set to work. Um, and the three artifacts that they're, that they decide to make are Dropnir, Gullenbursti, and Mjolnir. So Dropnir is a, a magical ring. It's a golden ring. And every nine days, it spontaneously generates more rings. Nice. So it's like a infinite money glitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gullenbursti is a living golden boar. Hmm. Fastest in the land. Uh, I believe Sindri specifically makes Gullenbursti and Brocky makes uh, Dropnir. Loki is watching them produce these things and he's mm-hmm. like, hmm, the quality is indeed very fine. I may have overstepped. I may have overstated mm-hmm. the deal here. <laughs> so uh, Brocky and Sindri get together to work on this final artifact because they know they want it to completely blow these other artifacts out of the water. Mm-hmm. They want it to surpass everything. And Loki seeing like, well, shit, individually they're each making artifacts equal to the the three I already have. If they get together, they're going to make like some kind of, I don't know, weapon of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he transforms into a sting fly because, you know, Loki is a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. So he transforms into a little stinging fly and he just zips around while they're working on the third artifact, stinging, biting their hands and their eyelids and mm-hmm. trying to make himself a nuisance. And he does manage to cause enough distraction that as they're making Mjolnir, 
the hammer, mm-hmm. Brocky screws up a little bit, and he oh. makes the haft of the hammer, the handle, a little bit too short. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's an imperfect artifact. Okay. Still does all the things they want it to do. Mm-hmm. Like it still flies away from when thrown and returns to the hand of the wielder, and it's the the greatest hammer, mm-hmm. uh, this weapon against evil. But it's just, it's just not perfect. And the dwarves are perfectionists enough that like. Shit. (laughs) That actually does make a difference. But they still think, you know, we've done pretty good work here. Even though it's not perfect, surely it at least compares to the wig. (laughs) So, you know, Loki gathers up all six now of his his acquired artifacts. Uh And he's like, thanks, guys! Because he's a greedy bastard. Exactly. Thanks, dwarves. Goodbye. (laughs) Peace out. And GTFOs. Heading straight back to Asgard. And he runs back to Asgard. Mm Mm-hmm. So Broki and Sindri are debating amongst themselves, like, does he, does this man owe us his head? I mean, we did make three pretty damn fine. I think, I mean, I think they're equal. I think, I think they're equal. I think we won that bet. I think Loki should give us his head. So they start heading to Asgard behind him. Loki gets there first, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he is a very fast man. Yes. And he starts distributing the gifts. First, obviously, golden hair goes to Thor for his (laughs) wife, because that's the whole reason he went down there. Yep. Uh, and then he hands Thor Mjolnir as well, like, and I got you a present, big guy. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you pleased? And Thor's like, yeah, right, admittedly, I am pleased. I do like getting gifts. Mm-hmm. He gives Gullinbursti, the golden boar, mm-hmm. and Skithblathnir, the folding ship, mm-hmm. to Freyr, and those become some of his signature tools. And he gives Drapnir, the ring that regenerates more rings, mm-hmm. and Gungnir, the best sphere of all time, to Odin. Mm. And I think these are really interesting. It doesn't say specifically why he distributes these gifts this way. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, none of them were made for anyone but Loki. Yeah. <laughs> but he distributes these gifts this way, I think, because he picked out, like, the three manliest men in court. To engender their goodwill. Uh-huh. And he was like, these are the guys I need to defend me when the dwarves inevitably come knocking. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Broki and Sindri roll up while the gods are all admiring their new tools. Mm-hmm. And Brocky and Cinderella are like, hey, we made those three. <laughs> this little bitch told us we could have his head if they were good artifacts. Are they good artifacts? And the gods are like, yeah, admittedly, they're good artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they all confer and they go, uh, Loki, I think you fucked up here. You did give your word yeah, yeah. that they could have your head. And Loki says, ah, I didn't say they could touch my neck. <laughs> I said they could have my head. I didn't say anything about my neck. A knife goes anywhere near my neck, and that's breaching the terms of the agreement. <laughs> and the dwarves are like, loopholes. And the dwarves are like, motherfucker, he's right. <laughs> so they compromise by sewing his mouth shut. Okay. Because <laughs> they have a, they, they, they get his head, so they can do whatever they want with that. And they decide what they want is to sew his mouth shut so he can't do any more shitty deals. <laughs> um, presumably this doesn't last forever. Yeah, presumably. Considering he continues to go on and cause... Shit. But yeah, so that's the story of Broki and Sindri, who didn't get paid because what they asked for was, well, well, what they were offered and accepted as payment for their work was literally a man's head. Yeah. And he said, no, thank no. you. No. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no. Don't mm-hmm. do that. No, no, not, not happening. Mm-hmm. The shit Loki got up to. Mm-hmm. But all the best stories are because Loki is a part of it. I swear. In some way. Oh, yeah. Almost, all the most entertaining stories. Almost all of them he is involved or... Instigates. Uh-huh. Pressures. Yeah. 
bribes. Yeah. There's challenges. A, yeah. There's always there's always some he's always involved mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Usually in some kind of instigating way. Mm-hmm. Gotta give it to him. Mm-hmm. Gotta give it to him. He gave us all the most the he funniest gave us the stories. The funniest, most entertaining stories. Hail Loki. Hail Loki. <laughs> Thanks, boss, for your sacrifices. That's right. That's right. And oh sorry God. also for your sacrifices. That's right. Exactly. And didn't get to keep any of that treasure. Gave it all away. Gave it all away. All right. So the story that I'm going to start with comes from Greek mythology, of course, because that's where I tend to go. That is. That's true. <laughs> I do tend to go to Greek mythology. You do. And I'm going to talk about Perseus and his challenges, Ooh. or at least a couple of his challenges, because he had quite a few. Perseus was the son of Zeus and Danae, who was the daughter of Acrisius, king of Argos. Mm-hmm. It's argued who her mother was. There were two different possibilities, but... That always seems to be the case in yes, Greek mythology. Yes, exactly. But her father was definitely Acrisius, king of Argos. Here's the interesting thing. He predates Heracles because he is not only Heracles' half-brother, he is his great-grandfather. Oh! The mother of Heracles is one of Perseus's descendants. So I, that's interesting. I didn't know yeah. Heracles was descended from Perseus. Neither did I until and I was reading this And yet also they're half-brothers. And yet because, it's one of those weird cause, situations. Because Zeus. Because Zeus. <laughs> so he is, they are not only half-brothers, but he also, is his... But also like his... Great-grandfather. Yeah. Elle says Zeus causes more incest, incest than most, if not all other gods combined. That's the truth. That is the truth. <laughs> But, so, we start this story, however, with Acrisius was disappointed that he never got a son. That mm. he only had one child. And it was a daughter. And it was a daughter, Danae. Does admittedly complicate succession it, issues. It complicates succession issues. And so, he went to consult the Oracle of Delphi, mm. who, of course, was a, a prophet and priestess of, of Apollo, mm-hmm. the god of prophecy. Yep. And what he got was a prophecy about his own death. Hmm. And that his death would come at the hands of his daughter's son. Oh, that's just not ideal. That's not ideal. That's not what you like to hear. Because of who he was (laughs) as a human being, what he did then, because he couldn't outright kill his daughter. Right. Because kinslaying, big mm, taboo. He trapped her in a bronze room in the courtyard of his palace with a, a, a roof that was open, but presumably... She, so just like a pen. Yeah, like a pen. So she could see the sky, but she had, you know, she couldn't see suitors or people to come, right. you know, to come to her so that she could be married and have children. However, the gods exist, so letting her Zeus, see the sky is going to be a mistake. <laughs> yes, Zeus in particular came as a golden shower uh-huh, yeah. and low. Uh-huh. Danae became pregnant uh-huh. with child. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the child she had was Perseus. Yeah. Acrisius was concerned about what this child, now that there was one, uh-huh. would, would how, do. How this child would kill him. Especially since it was born of a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got a little you know? demigod baby. He got a little demigod baby going on there. He's like, well, I can't outright kill them because that's you know, frowned upon. Right, the kinslaying thing the again. kinslaying thing. Can't do it. So what he did instead was put them in a wooden casket, a wooden chest, if you will, and set them adrift in the sea 
for the gods to deal with. To, to decide their fate? To decide their fate. And Danae prayed and prayed for their salvation. And lo, those waves took her to the island of Seraphos, where she was found by a fisherman named Dictus, who... So Poseidon came in clutch on that one. Mm -hmm. So he brought the, the, the lady and the child into his home, and he cared for them both, and he raised... Perseus to manhood. He was a father well, good. to Perseus. Finally, there's a nice man in this story. Yes. Well, the brother no, of Dictus no, no. was... The, so Perseus's uncle? Mm-hmm. Technically, his... His, his uh, step-uncle? Step-uncle was Polydectus, who was also the king of the island. Polydictus, over the time, had come to fall in love with Danae because she okay. was a beautiful, beautiful uh-huh. woman. And, of course, Perseus believed Polydictus had less than honorable intentions toward his mother. And, and he so was right. he protected his mother from him. Fall in love. Fall so in so. love. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's like, where is his brother in all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? What's up with Dictus? What happened to Dictus? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Polydictus is sniffing around. The... Mm-hmm. So he protected his mother from Polydictus, which pissed Polydictus off. Of course. Because, you know, he was a king and he was used to getting what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And so what he decided to do, what he plotted to do, was to send Perseus away from the island in disgrace. Mm. So he held a large banquet and each of his guests were expected to bring a gift. And he asked them to bring horses under the pretense that he was collecting contributions for the hand of Hippodamia, the daughter of Onanius. Perseus had no horse to give, so he asked Polydectus to name his gift because he assumed, rightly so, that Perseus, as a young man, would make a rash promise, mm-hmm. which he did. Mm-hmm. He asked for the head of Medusa. Ah, yes. Yes. Whose gaze turned people into stone. Mm-hmm. Here he is, this young man. On an uh, impossible task. Yeah, Elle says, mistake on Perseus's part. He already knew that dude had no honor. Exactly, exactly. He was like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? Mm-hmm. Well, Athena came to Perseus and instructed him to find the Hesperides who were entrusted with weapons that he needed to kill the Gorgon. So he followed Athena's advice. He sought Grey, sisters of the Gorgons, to demand the whereabouts of Hesperides And he was able to get everything he needed in order to kill Medusa and to gain her head. So he had a knapsack to put her head into. He had an adamantine sword. And he had a helm of darkness so that he could hide from her. And then Hermes lent Perseus his winged sandals to fly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're all aunts and uncles to this kid. They didn't want to see him, you know, get turned into stone or whatever. I mean, not that it stops them half the rest oh, hell of the no. time. Oh, no. Hell they just no. decided they liked Perseus. They, li- they liked Perseus, and they probably liked the idea of this uh, little challenge. You know, see and, if he could do yeah, it. Yeah, and probably also didn't care for Medusa. Exactly. Because as, as Amara says, poor Medusa. Yeah, the deck has oh, really yeah. been stacked against her here. Yeah, it really has. And Athena gave him a polished shield. So Perseus then proceeded to the Gorgon's cave, and he found Medusa sleeping. And so by, I think everybody knows the story, he right. used his shield for, uh, as a Sorry, mirror yeah. after he put on the helmet of mm-hmm. darkness and hid himself, and he was able to then safely approach her and cut off her head. Mm-hmm. And then he, of course, 
took the head, went to the mythical Ethiopia mythical on his Ethiopia. yeah the <laughs> mythical Ethiopia on his way to uh, back home, and mm-hmm. he fell in love with their daughter Andromeda. Mm. He had to go on more trials to try to win right. the hand of Andromeda. So, so it's just trials after trials for this yeah, kid. it really was, and so. He had to go and save her from all the different things that he had to do to get her. And so, finally, he did marry Andromeda. And he... And in the meantime, presumably his mom is just in limbo? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because eventually, Perseus, after all of his... You know, he returned all of the magical items that he Mm -hmm. borrowed. He married... uh, Andromeda. Andromeda. And he, I think he even got to ride Pegasus at some point here. (laughs) And he returns and Perseus kills Polydectus because of the violent advances he made toward his mother in his absence. So what he did was he killed him using Medusa's head and made Dictus consort king. You know, I really feel he could have skipped all of this (laughs) and just killed Polydectus Straight off Straight the bat. Straight off the bat. And, and made his stepdad king. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what he does, basically. I, like, I, felt like that, I feel like that would have been a much easier <laughs> solution. Yeah, it really would have. But if you think about it, he uses the head of Medusa to kill Polydectus. I'm sure he could have killed the man with no, the sword. Listen, he, was the, he was the mastermind of his own doom, just as the, oh, as yeah, the yeah, prophecy sure. said, because he told him to go get the stinking head of Medusa to begin Except with. Except it wasn't Polydectus he was supposed to kill. So he ends up killing a completely different guy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He does. Well, you know what? Does he ever kill that guy? Probably. (laughs) He goes through, he travels and does so much. Eventually he does, I think. Rannon says he kills him accidentally afterwards. Yeah, there you go. Let's see. Rannon says, uh, Perseus grows up to be a hero, killing Medusa and rescuing Andromeda. Perseus Mm -hmm. and Danae return to Argos with Andromeda, but King Acrisius has gone to Larissa. That's the grandfather. But King Acrisius has gone to Larissa. Forgot all about him, actually. Uh When Perseus arrives in Larissa, he participates in funeral games and accidentally strikes Acrisius on the head with a discus, killing him and fulfilling Fulfilling the prophecy. prophecy. Literally just threw a discus too hard in the wrong direction. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway. Don't play sports with this man. Don't play sports with Perseus. Elle says, I like to imagine Perseus went through a lot of character development on that quest, left thinking he couldn't do a murder because Honor came back and was like, you know what? Fuck this This asshole. (laughs) Maybe that was what it was. Maybe the quest got him to the point where he could be like, actually, fuck this guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because in in his absence, the, you know. Yeah, had raped his mother. Had raped his mother. And we don't know where his stepfather was in all this. Dictus? Yeah, I... Probably in, in a, jail? In jail yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Probably. Off in his fisherman's boat. Yeah. Not knowing off, what is... Just off. It's very interesting also that, like, Dictus, fisherman. Polydictus, king. king. <laughs> what mm-hmm. is happening in this family? Mm-hmm. Oh, so maybe Dictus was already, like, banished or something. Who knows? Could be. Who knows? But anyway, there's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Do you believe in the power of the sacred fire? Join us on Around Grandfather Fire, a podcast where we discuss spirituality, mythology, animism, and culture around a digital fire. We'll be talking about witchcraft, paganism, heathenry, and all the other forms of spiritual expression that you can imagine. If you love hearing about how people practice their faith, how they use it to connect with others and to make sense of the world around them, 
And if you like to laugh while doing it, then this is the podcast for you. You can listen to Around Grandfather Fire on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. I'm going to do, you know what, I'm going to switch up the order I was going to do these in. Okay. Because the next one I have is actually also very similar to the Perseus story. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are very similar. Yeah. So I'm going to tell, it's a Russian and Slavic folk story. It's usually called Go I Know Not Whither and Fetch I Know Not What. So it starts with this hunter and he's hunting birds like you do and he shoots down a bird and just, uh, but he doesn't kill it. He wounds it, grounds it. And so as he's going to this, to kill this bird, uh, it speaks in a human voice and tells him, no, no, don't kill me. Take me home, patch me up. And when I fall asleep, hit me on the head. And I'm just like, Okay, I'm not going to deny the request of a human-speaking bird. So takes the bird home and patches up the wing, and the bird falls asleep in his house, and he smacks it on the head. And for some reason, this transforms the bird into a woman. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it either. I don't understand that magical mechanism. Don't know why she needed head trauma to turn back into a woman, but she does. So she turns uh, back into a beautiful woman. Uh, and she informs the hunter that she will now marry him. <laughs> well. And he's like, okay, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, get a bird, gain a wife. Exactly. You know what? I, I wouldn't get any other good takings in the woods that day anyway. She marries the hunter. Very much, she seems to be dry. This is sort of like an like the reverse of the, the Selkies, uh, the seal wives, where like the, someone steals their skin. She seems to decide on her own that she's going to marry this man. He doesn't really get a choice in it. So she marries him and she like feels really bad about how difficult his job is. And he has to go out into the woods every day and hunt and hunt and hunt for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes he doesn't come back with anything. And so she decides she's going to help him with her magics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she tells him, spend, you know, a couple hundred rubles and go get uh, some cloth. And so he does. He spends a couple hundred rubles. It's not a small sum for him, but he goes down down to the market. She's just like, my wife wants some cloth. I don't know. Brings it back. And she transforms that cloth into extremely beautiful silk. And she weaves it into a beautiful rug. And she tells him, now go sell this at the market for however much money you can get for it. And he says, yes, ma'am. Because <laughs> uh, I guess he's just in the habit of listening to his wife. So he takes this rug to the market and everyone's like flabbergasted by the this beautiful rug that he has and they're where did you get this from how did you your wife made this you're some poor hunter out in the middle of nowhere and so there's a lot of debate in the market about how much how much is this worth and how much will we pay the hunter for it and eventually a merchant buys it for ten thousand rubles and he brings it out to the big city uh where he resells it for twenty five thousand rubles to the steward of the king Mm. And the steward brings it back to the palace and is like, look at this magnificent thing I've gotten for you, my king. And the king is like, bring me whoever made it. I don't want the rug. I want whoever makes the rug. I want to own the means of production. So the steward goes back to the merchant and is like, hey, where'd you get this rug? And the merchant's like, eh, it was from some hunter in the middle of nowhere. I can take you out there. So the steward goes out in the middle of nowhere to meet this hunter. And the hunter's like, my wife made it. So now the steward goes to meet the hunter's wife. He immediately falls in love with the hunter's wife, as you expect. Mm-hmm. In this kind of a story. Mm-hmm. Having done so, he goes back to the king and says, My king, I'm in love with the person who makes this rug. <laughs> Even though she's married. Even though she's married, yeah. And the king is like, well, that's fine. Well, I'm going to own her anyway, so just bring them. 
bring you, you she's married you said okay bring them to the city and um i will dispose of her husband and then you can have her for a wife and i can have her for rugs so the steward says great thanks my king <laughs> heads out brings them back to the city uh the king sees her and instantly falls in love with her and is like hmm Gonna have to get rid of the steward now. Poor women. <laughs> yeah, she's just too beautiful. The hunter is apparently the only person on earth who didn't instantly fall in love with her, but just married her because she said she would. Because he knew she was a fucking bird. Yeah, exactly. He saw her first <laughs> as a bird, so he understands there's some shit going on. So the king you know, decides, okay, I need to get rid of the hunter and the steward. So he starts sending them on joint quests. Mm-hmm. The hunter... Uh, is getting these quests, obviously, because the king is like, oh, well, obviously, with such a beautiful wife, you must be very skilled. I have quests that only you could possibly compete. Um, And the goal is just to go get him killed. So the very first quest is go to the underworld and speak to my father, the previous king, and get his advice for me. So the hunter and the steward go down to the underworld, and the wife is like, make sure you keep that steward bitch with you. (laughs) He needs to verify to this king bastard that you did the that you did the job. Um, so the hunter and the steward go to the underworld and they see the previous king being tortured for his sins and they come back and report like, yeah, he didn't have any advice. He was all screaming. Mm-hmm. So the king's like, okay, great. That didn't kill you. Uh, next, go catch this dangerous beast. You're a hunter. That's your job, right? So they head off to do that and the hunter catches this dangerous, magical, large cat that like lives in a copper pillar in the in middle of nowhere and the ends of the earth. They come back with the magical beast, and the king is starting to get quite peeved by now. So he decides uh, the fact that the hunter keeps coming back is the steward's fault. So he just kills the steward. I don't know why the steward's in this story, <laughs> quite honestly. But so so he just kills the steward, tells the hunter, okay, got one more very important, absolutely crucial quest for you. Go, I know not whither, and bring back, I know not what. And that's the only instruction he gets. Mm-hmm. Go, I don't know where, and get, I don't know what. And Hunter's like, okay, my king, I, sure. And so he goes directly to his wife and is like, what's happening? And she's like, that bitch is trying to own me and kill you. Mm-hmm. So you go on this quest. I'm going to give you some magic things. Here's a ball that will just lead you in the right direction. So just put that on the ground and follow the ball. Here's a handkerchief. Always use this to wash your face. Don't ask why. <laughs> and he's like, yes, ma'am. And she says, okay, you go on your quest. I'm going to transform back into a bird and I will be back later. Because <laughs> I'm not staying here with this king while you go on yet another quest. So she transforms into a bird and flies away into the woods. And he's like, okay, I guess I just follow this ball and carry this handkerchief for the rest of my life. Because uh, if I don't do it, the king will have me killed, just like the steward. Maybe the steward's in there just to prove that the king is murderous to the hunter. Probably. Uh, so he, you know... Let's convey the woman to the king. Yeah, exactly. So so he's following this ball, and it's leading him all hither and yon to places he's never been and doesn't know how to get back from. He gets completely lost in the middle of the woods. Different woods than his woods. He doesn't know these woods. So he's wandering the woods in the middle of nowhere, following this ball around. Uh, it leads him to a house on... These stilted legs. These chickeny legs. And he says, hmm, that's some magic shit. My wife's a bird, so maybe this is related. So he walks up to the chicken-legged house. He knocks on the door. And who should open the door but Baba Yaga? Mm-hmm. Because that's her house. Mm-hmm. The queen, says Rhiannon Gray, yeah. So she invites him into her house, very spookily, and offers, you know, him food. 
And obviously before you can eat, you have to clean your face. Here's a bowl of water to get clean for dinner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like, okay, yes, thank you, ma'am. And he cleans his hands, he cleans his face, and he wipes his face off with the handkerchief his wife gave him. And she's like, where did you get that? He's like, from my wife. <laughs> she's a bird right now. <laughs> and Bob Yaga's like, that's my daughter. Who are you that you married my daughter? And he's like, um, I shot her with an arrow once and she decided we were married. And Baba Yaga's like, hmm, that does sound like her. <laughs> Explain what you're doing out here. And so he explains the whole story with the king and the steward and the going to the underworld and the magical beast. And now he's just following this ball trying to find he doesn't know what because the king didn't know what either. And he doesn't know where because the king didn't know where either. And his wife just said to follow the ball. And Baba Yaga's like, hmm, and it brought you to me. Okay, I'm going to give you a magic frog. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. So, and, and you're going to follow this frog and the frog is going to lead you to whatever it is you need. And he says, oh, yes, ma'am. Because <laughs> this hunter just listens to the ladies in his life and doesn't mm -hmm. ask questions. Mm -hmm. Um, so she gives him a frog in a pot because the frog can't keep up. He walks too fast. She keeps the magic ball because now he's going to follow the frog. Don't get distracted. Follow the frog. So he follows the frog around and they go on various adventures. And the frog is just like, this way, croak. <laughs> and eventually they get to this riverside where there are two old men who are, who just live there, apparently. And they uh they've got like a table laid out on the side of the river and nothing else as far as he can see he's like okay do any of you have i don't know what <laughs> from i don't know where <laughs> and they're like hmm maybe <laughs> schmat razum come here feed us and he's like what the fuck is a schmat razum um and what schmat razum is is an invisible servant oh an uh, invisible, apparently all-powerful servant. Because as soon as they say, feed us, food appears on the table. And as soon as they say, take it away, the food disappears. And they ask for various things. And Shmat Razum always just instantly is like, oh, yes, of course, masters. And materializes the things. And eventually the old men are like, well, none of this seems to be what you're looking for. So we're going to go to bed. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, good night, I guess. I'm going to continue on my quest. But he sits down at the table. And he asks Shmat Razum, hey, do you want to eat with me? I don't like eating alone. And you've been real busy all day. Do you want, like, it's, uh, like, I mean, I can't see you doing anything, but it seems like you're doing a lot. Mm -hmm. You're working real hard. You want to take a load off and sit down? And Shmat Razum is like, yes, actually. How kind of you. I'm going to be your servant now for all time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's nothing actually tying me to these two old men. I'm just here because I might as well be. But you seem much better than them, so I'm just gonna serve you now, forever. And the hunter's like, oh, great. Do you know how to get I don't know what from I don't know where? And Shmat Razum is like, um, I think that's probably me, actually. Okay. Shmat Razum's name means, from what I've been able to find, shred of reason. Okay. The hunter is like, okay, well, great. That's the end of the quest then. Spectacular. I'm gonna go back to the king. And show him you, the, you'll have to do something to demonstrate that you exist because you're invisible, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, and then my wife can come back. <laughs> and Shmat Rosam's like, of course, whatever you want, master. You're so kind. <laughs> so they travel back um, and it's a, it's a long trip. 
And the hunter's getting tired, and he's like, oh, geez, wow, I didn't realize how far I had come with the following the ball and then following the frog, and I don't really know where I'm going. Do you happen to know where the kingdom is? And Shmat Razum is like, oh, yes, of course. And also, I could carry you there if you like. And the hunter's like, oh, okay. And Shmat Razum is like, great. Picks him up with a 5,000-mile-per-hour whirlwind and just whooshes him straight to the kingdom. Like you do. Like you do. Along the way, he He's also... Kind of a genie? It seems that way. He's not ever described as a genie or as any kind of specific spirit or being. He's just this invisible, all-powerful force who chooses to serve whoever he feels like. Hmm. So he doesn't, he's not bound to anyone. He doesn't seem to be bound to any kind of object. He just is. Okay. So he carries the hunter back to the kingdom and drops him off. Along the way, he also makes an island for him and makes some ships and some fleets and some armies for him, just like in case he needs them. Just like, you know, yeah, you never know. You know, you're going to a king. Maybe you'll need these things. So he, you know, takes him back to the kingdom and the hunter goes back to the king and is like, hi, I uh, went and found a magical, invisible, all-powerful force for you, I guess. Is that what you wanted? And the king is like, actually, I just want you to be dead. So I'm going to kill you now. So obviously Shmat Razum intervenes and then there is a war where Shmat Razum just creates new armies until they win. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, the king dies. And his wife flies back as a bird and is like, great job, hun. Love you so much. Our servant, this new servant, great. Mwah. You're, I'm so glad I married you. And uh, all the people of the kingdom just decide to make the hunter their king. Well, he sounds like he'd be worthy. Apparently. A worthy king <laughs> with a bird wife and an invisible servant. Uh-huh. Who just arbitrarily does. And like, there are some other adventures in the middle there and some of the stories where like, Shmat Razum is sold to various merchants for various mm-hmm. boons. But then every time like night falls and the hunter is like, man, I really miss Shmat Razum. He was a good bro. Shmat Razum is just instantly back with him yeah. like, hi, I didn't actually go anywhere. I'm invisible. Right, right. So I have no idea what this, what this guy is supposed to be. <laughs> Interesting. He's, he's wild though. Elle says, insta-bonds with the first blue collar he meets. Magic mm-hmm. blue collar, but still, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I picked this one, because, like, yes, extremely, like, blue collar workers unite. <laughs> we will be our own union. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Rannon says, is this, like, the only unproblematic hero ever? A pa- a- I have not seen him do a single sinister thing. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the, the worst crime he commits is that he shoots a bird because he is a hunter and that is literally his job, and it turns out to be a woman who decides she will be his wife now. Yeah. That's the only that's that's the only thing he ever does that's like not a hundred percent. But he makes perfect. it right because he exactly. heals her wing. Exactly, and he, he bops heals her on the head and turns her back into a woman and then agrees to marry her. So, yeah, yeah this man's just flawless, I guess. Apparently, and deserves to be king. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, that's what everyone in his kingdom decided. Mm-hmm. Best story ever, says L. Yeah, I love this one because there's just like no effort whatsoever to explain what's going on. Right. It just is. Shmat Razum just is. He just, just is. He just exists. All right. So that's that's that story. It went on forever. I'm going to have to cut that one down a little bit, I think. But you have another story? I was going to tell the 12 labors of Hercules. I can do an abbreviated version. Okay. Um, and the reason I was going to do that is because, as we found out in my previous story, Perseus mm. is his great-grandfather as well as his half-brother. God, yeah. In a bizarre what twist a, of... What a... <laughs> Greek incestuousness in their mythology. What a family tree. Um, But again, Zeus out doing his, you know, usual Zeusy things. 
he comes upon a beautiful woman and decides he wants to have her. Her name is Alchemani. That's definitely <laughs> becoming a trend here. Yep. And uh, so she becomes pregnant with Heracles. And, of course, she raises him with her husband because she is married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Her- Hercules, I thought this was interesting. Hercules, as a demigod, had this super strength, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He could do that's these. That's sort in, of his thing. That's his yeah. thing. He had this incredible strength. But Perseus, as a demigod, didn't really have yeah, did anything. He, he, had, he didn't have anything. He except, just had except inc- favors. <laughs> he had incredible favor with the other gods. Yeah. I Even maybe Hera he was, doesn't get like too in, deeply involved with him. Maybe he's just charismatic. Maybe, maybe he's got supernatural charisma. I mean, because Hera, she has it in for Heracles. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, because Heracles grows to be a, a man. Obviously, I feel like the name probably is part of it. Well, she's Hera. Comes, he's Heracles. Yeah, she is. He is named for yeah, her. Yeah. So like maybe maybe she takes it as like an extra insult. Maybe I don't know. She tried to have him killed as an infant by sending snakes into mm-hmm. his crib to poison mm-hmm. him. And her Heracles strangled the snakes. So, you know, you knew right from right from the off. This was not gonna be easy to kill this he, kid. He was he was a pretty special kid. Um and so when he grew into an adult, he found this gorgeous girl named Megara and fell madly in love with her. And of course married her. Which is traditional. Yes. <laughs> You know, he married this beautiful woman, had many children by her, and uh, Hera, in her jealousy and her rage over uh, Zeus, doing what Zeus does, uh-huh. yeah, his Zeusy things, his, his old Zeusiness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, she gave a madness to Heracles, mm. causing him to murder his wife and his children. In, like, in a dream state. Yeah. He, he didn't know what he was doing. He thought he was fighting was, monsters or something. It was like magic roid rage. Yeah. And he comes out of this fugue mm-hmm. that she places on him. And his wife and his children are dead at his feet. And, you know, he is just, has no idea what to do from here. Mm-hmm. He wants to atone for this horrible sin that he has committed of murdering. The kinslaying thing again. His entire family, even though it was, you know, not anything he had conscious control over. Right. But he... But still with his own hands. With his own hands killed his entire family. He's so overcome with grief that Hercules, or Heracles in the Greek, because Hercules is the Romanized name, Mm -hmm. uh, Heracles turns to Apollo. Because he is a god who off, of healing, mm-hmm. as well as prophecy and all the other, and knowledge and things and that he diseases. does. Diseases. <laughs> um, and uh, so Apollo told Heracles he must serve Aristoces, the king of Tyrenes, to make up for his wrongdoings. Okay. Okay. So. I actually did not know that was how the labors started. Yeah, it was, uh, Apollo said, this is how you atone for okay. the deaths of your family. Right. Is the, the wrong that you have committed. Right. Has through, to be. Has to be atoned through servanthood okay. to this king. That recontextualizes it a bit. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah. He's, he, and he's, because he's consumed with grief. Mm-hmm. And so he has to. Yeah, I always it. thought the king giving him these labors was just an asshole, but like no, maybe, maybe it's actually for a reason. He's truly consumed with grief. And he goes to serve Eurystices, but Hera is still determined to eradicate Her- right. Heracles from the world. So she suggests to Eurystices that he order Heracles to fulfill 12 impossible labors. 
Hera believed that Heracles would die attempting to complete any of these labors and uh, would finally, she'd be done with him. Mm -hmm. He would have to go to the underworld. She'd no longer have to see him and he'd just be gone. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that he is asked to do is slay the Nemean lion, which is a town in Nemea, where there was an invincible lion that was bringing devastation and fear to the town. And so he slays that lion and brings back the skin. Hardly a challenge yeah, for a yeah. man who's killing snakes in infancy. <laughs> in infancy. <laughs> so he takes the skin and the head back to the king. And then he sends him off to kill the hydra. That one's more tricky. Yeah. Living in the swamp of a town of Lerna was this nine-headed serpent that terrified the area. And it was uh, venomous. Mm-hmm. And one with one immortal head that could not be killed. So every time you try to chop off mm-hmm. its head, a new one would grow. And so finally, Heracles, you know, with his nephew Aeolus, uh, they kill the nine-headed Hydra. Mm-hmm. They were able to slay him so finally. He figures out the trick. Yeah, which I figures think is out fire. the trick. Yeah, I think that is. Yeah, I think they sear the... Yeah, sear the... They cut. cauterize it. Yeah, yeah, so he can't grow anymore. They slice and cauterize mm-hmm. Um, and then the third was to capture the golden hind. And of Which course... Which a hind is a... A deer. Yeah. Yep. And it's a golden deer. The deer had golden horns and bronze hooves and was sacred to Artemis. Uh-huh. The goddess of hunting and this, animals. This really should not have been a quest. No. Therefore, Heracles could not kill it. Mm-hmm. So instead, he hunted the deer every day for a year. He did shoot the deer when it presented <laughs> itself. And when Heracles encountered Artemis and Apollo and had to explain the reason for apprehending the deer and told them of his servitude to Aristides, which mm-hmm. Apollo already knew. He was the one who suggested it. But they allowed him to take the hunt. Okay. So, so he got special permission. He got special permission. So he didn't kill it. He captured it. Okay. And then he got permission to take the hind back unharmed. Okay. And then he had to capture the Arithmian boar. He had to clean the stables of King August, who had over a thousand cattle. <laughs> that one's just mean. <laughs> yeah. And then he had to defeat the Stamphalian birds, and he had to capture the Cretan bull. Also, a lot of these animals getting captured, this king, whose name mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to say because I don't have it in front of me, is um, building up quite a menagerie. Mm-hmm. And then he had to bring back the mares of the Diomenes, who was the king Diomenes uh, was the king of Thrace. Mm. And he trained mares in his village to eat human flesh. <laughs> and so Heracles brought help with him. Uh-huh. He, he did have help on some of these adventures. Yeah, he brings sidekicks. Yep, he brings sidekicks, and he, who was killed by, oh, you know, no, on by this one of the mares. Um, and Heracles actually killed the king. Uh, fair. Uh, if he's training his horses to eat human flesh, there is something going wrong in that kingdom. Mm-hmm. Fed, I believe, the, the deceased king to the horses to calm them and then brought them back to Eurystices. Um, here's the tricky one. He was to obtain the belt of Hippolyta. Mm. Queen Hippolyta was the leader of the Amazons yep. Yep. and had a leather belt that was given to her by Ares, the god mm-hmm. of war. And she was the best warrior among all the Amazons. And Eurystices wanted the belt as a gift for his daughter. Because, you know. Why not? Why not? So when Heracles arrived at the land of the Amazons, Hippolyta came to Heracles and asked, Why are you here, mm-hmm. man? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fool. Fool. Truthful. Heracles told Hippolyta that he needed her belt to take ta- back to Eurystices. Uh-huh. And... 
So Hippolyta agreed to let Heracles have the belt, but not before Hera, disguised as an Amazon warrior, told the tribe that Heracles was there to take Hippolyta. Oh, so she just lies. (laughs) Yes. And so the tribe became apprehensive and dressed in armor and confronted him. Mm -hmm. And Heracles saw their armor and weapons and assumed Hippolyta had sent her tribe to kill him. So Heracles kills Hippolyta. Heracles! returned with her belt. Oh, no. She was just going to give the damn thing. Tomorrow. Okay, listen. Hera's partially (laughs) responsible for that one. Heracles is also responsible Mm -hmm. for that one. Mm -hmm. Just misunderstandings all around. And, and like, Heracles has already killed innocent people. Mm -hmm. He should be on guard for this shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn so, it, man! So yeah, so that was that was a a, a not so good. No, thing. That's killing a, the that, queen that of the Amazons. Fuck up for her belt. We're gonna call that one a mm-hmm. real tactical error. Exactly. And then he also had to obtain the cattle of Garion. He had to travel to this island and retrieve these the cattle. And along the way, he killed many beasts, like you do, in order to locate the cattle. He did take them home, but he had to abandon the herd. To find ones that had run away, and yeah, so he did. It, it was a whole, a whole mess, a whole mess. So he's he not, did, he's not a rancher, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he did get as many as he could and uh-huh. took them back to King Orestes, who then sacrificed them to Hera. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, he had to bring the golden apples of the Hesperides because you know Orestes had originally given Hercules ten labors. Uh-huh. But two of them were disqualified by, by Orestes, and so he gave two more to complete his labor. Okay, I got you. And actually, honestly, because of the death of yeah, I think Hippolyta, that's fair. I think that's fair. And not bringing back enough cows. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. Yeah, not to not to mention the death of that one king with the flesh-eating horse. Yeah, yeah. There's, and his know, sidekick. And his there's sidekick. Been a, there's listen, not, there's been yeah. a lot of collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So add a couple of more. So Hercules traveled the world in search of these apples, and at the advice of Prometheus, mm. was told to ask Atlas to steal the apples from the, Asper- the Hesperides. And um, Hercules held up the heavens and earth while Atlas stole the apple. <laughs> He asked Atlas to hold the heavens and earth while he adjusted his garments so that he could then right. take the apples uh-huh. from Atlas. Leaving Atlas back leaving with Atlas back his with eternal quest. His eternal quest. Or task. Or task of holding the heavens mm-hmm. and the earth. And so Her- Heracles, Hercules returned to Orestes with, with the golden apples. And then finally, his final task was to capture Cerberus. Mm, yes. And that, of course, is the three-headed dog who guards the gates of the underworld Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to keep the living from entering. Really worked his way up to the underworld on Mm -hmm. this one. Knowing he could not enter the underworld through this entrance, Heracles traveled through a deep cave to enter the underworld. Big puppy, says Mm -hmm. Gippa. And he battled many beasts and monsters throughout the underworld until he reached Hades. Heracles asked Hades if he could take Cerberus to the surface. And Hades agreed, but only if Heracles could restrain the beast with his bare hands and no weapons. Which, of course, because he strangled snakes as a baby, Mm -hmm. he was able to subdue Cerberus and take him to Orestes, who demanded he return Cerberus to Hades and the underworld. Immediately. Immediately, post haste. He belongs there. He belongs there. 
And so presumably, though, once uh, he had completed all of his tasks, he was discharged from his service to Orestes. He was uh, absolved of his... Of the guilt of, of killing his guilt. family. Not all the other people he killed yeah. along the way. But he was, the original start of this whole thing mm-hmm. was over the guilt of killing his family. And then did eventually make it to Olympus. Olympus, yep. And did eventually, I believe, if I remember correctly, make it up with Hera. Hmm. Cool. So to, be, to be fair, he wasn't responsible for his existence. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> He wasn't. And that's the thing. He was not at all responsible. No. Zeus it was responsible for this yeah. whole thing. This whole family. Hera is really displacing her anger yeah, here onto the whole... wrong person. But there you go. Yeah, Rhiannon says, honor to the queen of gods, obviously. But like, come on, just be angry at your husband slash brother. Not at the kid that happens because I mean, he's hey, kind of terrible sometimes. I'm a devotee of Hera. Mm-hmm. But even I am like, ma'am. Ma'am, really? <laughs> and then you made things even worse mid-trials and got Hippolyta killed and yeah. all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I have one more story that I'm going to tell very quickly because we have gone we have over gone time. Way over. So I am going to tell the story of Wu Gang. Uh, so this is a Chinese story. This is back in the days of, you know, mythic China. So Wu Gong, uh, there are variations of this story, but the one I think is uh, most interesting is that he is, he, he's trying to become immortal through Taoist cultivation, learning from various masters and like trying to, to learn to like not need to eat and sleep and drink and do all these human things and eventually, you know, rise up the ranks and become immortal. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Wu Gong is lazy as fuck. Oh boy. Yeah, so he doesn't want to do all this work. It's so hard to become immortal. It would be a lot of work. God. He just <laughs> wants to be immortal. He doesn't want to become immortal. He wants to skip that step. Someone just tell him how to do it. <laughs> Stop with all these long, slow teaching methods. What, you say this is going to take a decade? Just to learn this part? No, thank you. So he's lazing around on top of mountains, not doing his work. And the Jade Emperor who is like the top god in the heavens, Mm -hmm. is, you know, keeping an eye on all the little baby imminent immortals and catches a glimpse of Wu Gong just like goofing off, wasting time, lazing around under trees, not doing any of the shit he's supposed to be doing to become Mm -hmm. an immortal. And is like, what is this bitch doing on a sacred mountain? Why are these Taoist teachers even allowing him to be here? I hate this man. Mm. So the Jade Emperor decides, oh, this isn't going to fly. <laughs> this is not going to, we're not having this. This lazy bitch is not going to stick around fouling up the Taoist mountains where all my special cultivators come from, where all my special immortals originate. Mm-mm. So he grows a special tree, uh, a, a cherry tree on the moon. On the moon? On the moon. And he descends to the top of this mountain, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes to Wugong and he's like, Wugong! And Wugong's like, uh, what? I'm totally working. <laughs> <laughs> the Jade Emperor's like, Wugong! I am the Jade Emperor! Pay proper respect! And Wugong is like, um, totally. <laughs> totally, dude. Totally, man. Yeah. Completely knew who you were. Absolutely. So the Jade Emperor tells him, mm, okay, I will give you a shortcut to immortality. And Wugong is like, uh, great. That's exactly what I want. So the emperor tells him, go to the moon and cut down this tree. If you cut down the tree on the moon, you will become immortal with no further efforts. Mugong is like, spectacular. Can you just like, just throw me to the moon or whatever? How do I get there? 
And the Jade Emperor is like, of course, this bitch can't even get to the moon. Fine! And just flings him up to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, does not give him a way down from the moon. Mm. So Wugong is now on the moon until he does his shit. Mm-hmm. And the Jade Emperor puts him out of his mind. He's done with this man. He's given him his task. So Wugong is up on the moon. Presumably he has an axe because he starts trying to chop down this tree. Mm-hmm. That's just supposed to just make him an instant immortal. But every time he chops into the tree, when he pulls the axe back, the tree immediately heals. Oh, boy. Uh, and this is obviously very frustrating to Wugong, laziest man on earth who wants to be immortal. So he's, you know, hacking away at this tree and it just heals from every cut. Sometimes he manages to cut it like partway down and then it just like springs back up. And to this day, Wugong is still on the moon trying to cut down this damn tree <laughs> to become immortal because he's stuck up there on the moon with an axe and no way down. So this is supposed to be where the shadows from the moon oh, come from is okay. the shadows of the tree falling, falling and, and then re... Oh, uh-huh. that's so cool. Is Wugong trying to become immortal and failing over and over again because the Jade Emperor was sick of his shit. <laughs> And gave him literally an, an impossible, impossible task. task. Well, and like lots of the tasks we've seen today have been impossible, but they managed to, you know, to pull it off. Wugong isn't smart enough for that. Mm-hmm. Wugong gets an impossible task and he's just stuck with it forever. Wugong. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what you get. Okay. Not, not willing to do the stuff. Not willing to put in the, he wasn't willing to put in the work to become an immortal the regular way. So, and he's not smart enough to become an immortal by, by mm. figuring out whatever the Jade Emperor's trick condition on this tree is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. And, you know, at this rate, he could just sit up there and meditate until he managed to, to do it, to figure out to, how to be immortal on his own. But nope, still nope. too determined to cut down the tree. Okay. Well, there you go. Wugong. Dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All yep. right. Yep. All right. So that's all our stories. We got many stories. It was too many stories. Too I didn't realize stories. how long that they were. Well, and you know, we, we, <laughs> we all got we we usually often we end up like all, we all pick short stories. Uh-huh. This time we all picked long stories. Uh, we both. <laughs> yeah. We both. Only. We both picked long stories. Um. So we're gonna wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Google if you Google the number three and the letters P A A C or the number three and the words pagans and a cat. We're also online at the number three pagansandacat.com where you can find links to the various things we do, including our services that mm-hmm. we mentioned at the top, and to Gwen's Patheos Pagan blog, which she's mm-hmm. going to start writing in again. She's also on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find a link to our Patreon. That's so right. that your name also can be read at the beginning of every month. That's right. And there's, of course, the different uh, levels and mm-hmm. different little perks and yep. things. Other than that, you can join our Facebook group and our Discord server. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do not have to be a Patreon for that. Uh, you just have to be part of the pride and just part of the pride. Like like talking to people, mm-hmm. have a exactly. lot of interesting conversations there. All right, so we will talk to you next week. I think that's everything. Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, then goodbye. Don't steal any gold apples. No, and don't uh, don't go to the moon to try to cut down a tree. Don't Those... be like don't be like Wugong. <laughs>